We're going to look briefly at the verse from Srimad Bhagavatam 2.3.17 and the verse is as follows. Please repeat. Ayur Hariti Vai Pumsam Ujjan Astam Chayan Asau Tasyarte Yatshanonita Uttama Shloka Vartaya Translation, I'll come back to the word for word later. Both by rising and by setting, the sun decreases the duration of life of everyone, except one who utilizes the time by discussing topics of the all-good personality of Godhead. Purport by Zvangai Sesi Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. This verse indirectly confirms the greater importance of utilizing the human form of life to realize our lost relationship with the Supreme Lord by acceleration of devotional service. Time and tide wait for no man, so the time indicated by the sunrise and the sunset will be uselessly wasted if such time is not properly utilized for realizing identification of spiritual values. Even a fraction of the duration of life wasted cannot be compensated by any amount of gold. <laughs> Human life is simply awarded to a living entity, Jiva, so that he can realize his spiritual identity and his permanent source of happiness. A living being, especially the human being, is seeking happiness because happiness is the natural situation of the living entity. But he is vainly seeking happiness in the material atmosphere. A living being is constitutionally a spiritual spark of the complete whole, and his happiness can be perfectly perceived in spiritual activities. The Lord is the complete spirit whole, and his name, form, quality, pastimes, entourage, and personality are all identical with him. Once a person comes into contact with any one of the above-mentioned energies of the Lord, through the proper channel of devotional service, the doors to perfection is immediately opened. In the Bhagavad Gita 2.40, the Lord has explained such contact in the following words. Quote, endeavors in devotional service are never baffled, nor is there failure. A slight beginning of such activities is sufficient even to deliver a person from the great ocean of material fears. As a highly potent drug injected intravenously acts at once on the whole body, the transcendental topics of the Lord injected through the ear by the pure devotee of the Lord can act very efficiently. Oral realization of the transcendental messages implies total realization, just as fructification of one part of a tree implies fructification of all other parts. This realization for a moment in the association of pure devotees like Shukadeva Goswami prepares one's complete life for eternity, and thus the sun fails to rob the pure devotee of his duration of life inasmuch as he is constantly busy in the devotional service of the Lord, purifying his existence. Death is a symptom of the material infection of the eternal living being. Only due to material infection is the eternal living entity subjected to the law 
of birth, death, old age, and disease. The materialistic way of pious activities like charity is recommended in the Smriti Shastras as quoted by Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. Money given in charity to a suitable person is guaranteed bank balance in the next life. Such charity is recommended to be given to a Brahmana. If the money is given in charity to a non-Brahmana without Brahminical qualification, the money is returned in the next life in the same proportion. If it is given in charity to a half-educated Brahmana, even then the money is returned double. If the money is given in charity to a learned and fully qualified Brahmana, the money is returned a hundred times and a thousand times. And if the money is given to a Veda Paraga, one who has factually realized the path of the Vedas, it is returned by unlimited multiplication. The ultimate end of Vedic knowledge is realization of the personality of Godhead Sri Krishna. As stated in the Bhagavad Gita, Vedaishta Sarvar Aham Eva Vedya. There is a guarantee of monies being returned if given in charity, regardless of the proportion. Similarly, a moment passed in the association of a pure devotee by hearing and chanting the transcendental messages of the Lord is a perfect guarantee for eternal life, for returning back home, back to Godhead. Madhama Kattva Punarjanma Navidite. In other words, a devotee of the Lord is guaranteed eternal life. A devotee's old age or disease in the present life is but an impetus to such guaranteed eternal life. I'm going to read that again, the last sentence. A devotee's old age or disease in the present life is but an impetus to such guaranteed eternal life. Yay! I offer my respectful obeisances to His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. I offer my respectful obeisances to all the assembled devotees. Hare Krishna. Human life, as mentioned in the Vedanta Sutra, is meant for inquiry into the Supreme. It's an unlimited topic, and it's fascinating and it's purifying simultaneously. Srimad Bhagavatam advises us to live a balanced life. One should be healthy, it says. Live in as healthy a way as you possibly can. Don't have love just for the senses, for gratifying the senses, but take what you need for your senses. Everyone needs different things. It's not one thing for all. Some people like uh, rice, other people like quinoa. Uh, t but know that you're staying healthy, regulated, whatever you do, just so that you can uh, be vigorous in your hearing about the Supreme Personality of God and also inquiring. And you can't be interested in the topic in, unless you hear sufficiently, just as when you're learning an instrument. Anyone here ever try to learn an instrument? Come on, in your, in your childhood, you didn't pick up the saxophone or clarinet? Okay, so you know that when you practice and then you come back to your teacher, you have a lot of questions. If you don't practice, you come back a week later, teacher said you have to practice at least half hour a day, and then 
one thing leads to another. You practice for five minutes the first day, and you said, "That's I'll get back to it later. And then next thing you know, you're knocking on your teacher's door with your clarinet. And she says, "Did you? do you have any questions? And he says, no. Did you practice? No. So the more we hear, the more we become in, uh, empowered to inquire about the Supreme, because we know there's more and more to inquire about. In fact, a good hearing and chanting session usually produces more questions than answers, and it puts us in a ready state to ask more, deeper questions. And we find with Parikshit Maharaj and Shukadeva Goswami, Parikshit is asking more and more questions to bring out more from Shukadeva Goswami. Sometimes he asks for himself because he's curious, and other times, like during the Rasa Leela pastimes, he asks because he looks around and sees in the audience there are people who are just not getting this. And so he says, could you... Uh, uh, fill in this other part about how Krishna is not a regular person. And there's also a schedule that we're on here, and that is that we have a shelf life. The warranty runs out at a certain point. The body is a complete unit provided to us. Om Purnamadah Purnamidam Purnat Purnamutachate. We get a complete unit that's completely equipped to come to the come to its uh, perfectional stage. And for human beings, that means to realize the absolute and to make a, a, a reconnect, reconnect our relationship with the Supreme. And so uh, we have a bit of forced efficiency, if we think about it. We realize that we don't have that much time. We have a very short duration of life compared to even, um, yeah, we have a short duration of time compared to, like in geological time, what's a hundred years? It's it's just a, f a flash. Other living beings, we may think we have a long period of life. I noticed uh, during Kartik, there are these little bugs called Diwali germs, and they congregate some for, for some reason around the electric light bulbs, much to the delight of the lizards who hang out there too. But th those little creatures have uh, about a 24-hour life cycle, during which time they, they're born, they go to kindergarten, they learn to ride a bicycle, they uh, do all their stuff end up, you know, they get married, go to Home Depot, build something, and then they die. By the time I go to Mangalarti the next day, they're scattered everywhere on the ground. Just uh, looks like some kind of uh, granular matter on the ground. We're at, as the night before, they were fairly uh, excited about their prospects. So this is our life also, as observed by those who are higher beings and have a longer duration of life, even as they observe us, however, their, their duration of life is short as well, because everything's short in the face of eternity. So we have beginning and an end, we have force sufficiency. So what the verse is saying here is that we should take advantage of each uh, day. Otherwise, it takes advantage of us. 
we're being robbed of a huge opportunity unless we take advantage of it. So how to do that? There are several ways. One is that um, there's a, a way that the, the human mind is, uh, likes to be regulated. The senses also like to be regulated. And the, they can be reformed. The senses and the mind can be reformed. They can be molded in a certain way. And so this is a, a kind of a, a practice that one can get into. And from any position, one can make incremental improvements in one's life and start working towards a worthy goal. And then we can uh, feel like we're making progress. We will be making progress. In financial matters, it's just a fact that anybody, even with a moderate income, can become wealthy if they're a, a little, uh, if they're meticulous. There's no little meticulous. If they're meticulous about saving 10% of their income, of their gross income, and then investing it somewhere on a regular basis, over time, as Einstein said, compounded interest is one of the wonders of the world. And lo and behold, if somebody's very careful about that, lives below their means, it's a book I've never read called The Millionaire Next Door, but it's all about people who live below their means and they're very careful with investing whatever little extra they had instead of just blowing it and living above their means. And then gradually over time, they find that they have a storehouse of, of extra uh, resources that they can utilize to do whatever they want. So it's a, a material example. But in the same way, as Prabhupada's mentioning, he gave a material example from the Shmiti Shastra that if you give in charity, it comes back. If you give to the right person, it comes back in multiples. So we can do the same thing with our lives, and then it becomes uh, quite a, a daring adventure to challenge our senses, challenge ourselves to be on a, a regulated program. So there's a few ways that uh, we've been shown to do this by our acharyas. For instance, the six Goswamis of Vrindavan, who are famous devotees, are uh, written about by Srinivas Acharya, who said, Sankhya Purvakanama Gana Natibi Kalavasani Krito. They counted everything up that they did. Now, of course, we have counter beads. We pull down a bead every time we chant. That's good. That's a good idea. Sometimes uh, people, when they first come to Krishna consciousness, you know, are you chanting? Yeah, I chant all day long. It's like, do you have any beads? No, I don't need beads. I just do it in my head. And that's not the program that uh, was set for us by the Acharyas. Acharyas are our leaders. They show us, here's how you're going to get advanced. Sankhya means to count it. So count it, record it, measure it, whatever way you can. It's not materialistic. It's a means through which we can defeat the mind and senses. So have counter beads and make sure you're pulling them down at the right interval and make sure your fingers are going on each bead and say every mantra. It's that simple. The mind will say, well, why don't you just pull down three instead of one? You know, that way you can have breakfast sooner. Uh, okay, that's a challenge. See if you can beat the mind on that one because he's standing there like little chubby rascal, little character trying to dissuade you, telling you all kinds of crazy stuff like my next door neighbor 
Denny Scardacci when I was a kid. He told me all kinds of crazy stuff. Like he once told me in kindergarten that if you take a package of potato chips and you smash them up, you said you get more of them. <laughs> and I believed it for a whole day till I told my parents the revelation that how you get more potato chips. <laughs> and they looked at me, <laughs> the poor kid. Maybe we'll put you back a grade. <laughs> Had to learn calculus to figure that out. So the mind is like Denny Scardacci. If you're listening, Denny, I mean no harm. I love you to death. But we take advice from the Goswamis, not from our chubby little mind who wants to cut all kinds of corners and things like that. And so a regulated program of chanting, make sure that we make it, and we're doing this now. We have this Japa circle, very intentional. We talk about instructions. We inform ourselves. So we become fit, spiritually fit. Say, yeah, we chant good rounds. If you see somebody just leaning into their rounds, they're always showing up, you know that they're getting spiritually fit. And then it's also important to hear every day. Now, when you're in a temple ashram, just like we are now, uh, we have a morning and evening program, and we all come to the morning and evening program. Boy, do we feel strong, right? I mean, we have, you know, we have our Mangalartik, we have our Guru Puja, then we have a class, then we're, then in the we all day long we're hearing, and then in the evening we, you know, put a, you know, the top of the sandwich on it, uh, on the sandwich, and have an evening program. You go to bed and you're spiritually charged. That's how the program used to be, or still is in many places, but in all of ISKCON, it used to be a, a morning and evening program and in the afternoon. In fact, when I joined the temple uh, for Bhaktas, new people, there were five classes a day mandated by Prabhupada. And we'd, we'd stop and have Krishna book class, and we have nectar devotion class. Of course, there was always Bhagavatam class. In the night, you have Gita class. So there are all these classes and you know, regulated schedule. So how does one do that if you live in some far-flung place, if you live in a tent or an apartment or a van or something like that? You have to have a set that you do every day. So we noticed and discussed this when we were coming in the last group. We were going over to the temple there. Somehow one of them's out of town or something, but they're one of the head guys over there. Every morning when we come in, he had his set bhajans that he'd do. He had his little book on his knee, and he'd just go through all his bhajans. He's like, five bhajans he'd do, and then the curtains open, and then they do Mangalartik. So it's important to have a set that you do every day. Just like with exercise, you have to have a set that you do, like you walk around the block three times and eat an apple or something. I mean, it can't be nothing, because then it's like, didn't I just eat three boxes of Reese's peanut butter cups? And then it's like, <laughs> well, it's no big deal. It is a big deal because you're going um, to lose your health. So unless we actually have a set for whatever we're doing, whether it's financial, whether it's for our health, and especially for our spiritual practice, you have to have a set that you do every day. Here's my set. I never miss it. This is what we call getting your bhajan on. You got to have a bhajan in your life. Means you do your rounds. That's a given. Then what else are you going to do? Now we also have we've added added into our set one chapter of Bhagavad Gita a day, right? Yes. Say yes. yes. 
don't be afraid. You know, I think like, how in the heck am I going to do without what all the other things are doing? Well, think of it like this. The more you keep adding these things in, the more everything else gets pushed out. And then you tell people uh, like, yeah, I don't have time to talk to you right now. I got to do my chapter of Bhagavad Gita. And you know what they'll say? Can I do it with you? So you have to be the leader. You have to be the adult in the room who says like, I don't have time to discuss nonsense right now. Maybe later. And that's a technique I'll talk about. But have your set. I do this no matter what. It could be a small set. doesn't have to be six Goswamis. It can be your own little set. It can be the smallest set anybody's ever heard of in life. Like, that's a mosquito set. Yeah, but it's a set. And that's what gets us in the door. This is the, the purport of this verse is that don't waste this. Have your foot in the door somewhere. Don't let a day go by. You really blew it uh, if you missed a day. So write your set down. It's like, this is my set. This is what I do every day. I have this bhajan. I have these rounds. I read this chapter. Or even if it's a verse, even if it's a half a verse, it doesn't matter. But have your set. Tattoo it on your arm. If you're going to get a tattoo, don't put something stupid. Write your set down, and when somebody says, what's the tattoo? It says, I do this every day. <laughs> and that's how to get into the spiritual world, actually. We have to have our own determination to do that. And you know what? It's a joy because you're a human. Cheer up. Humans can decide. They can be self-determining and say, I don't want to be the same tomorrow as I am today. I want to improve. And the way you do it, by increments, a little increment, put your wedge in and uh, in the mass and then open it up with the tiniest little opening. But it means that I have my bhajan on and I'm keeping it on no matter what else happens. I do my bhajan every day and it's these things and I keep it steady. Then everything else opens up. So what can you do about reading? One thing is that I had a realization some time back where I have this great ambition to read all the Prabhupada's books. And it's like, so are you reading all of them? It's like, uh, I would, but there's too many of them. Okay, well, there's a way around that. And I found it for myself. I was listening to someone talk about how any task that seems overwhelming to you, just divide it into the smallest uh, segments that you possibly can and then implemented in your life in segments. So then I had this revelation that, wow, books have a finite number of pages. That works to our advantage because it means there is a beginning and an end. So you know what that means? You can easily break it down, quantify it into small pieces, which means that let's say a book has a hundred pages and how, uh, how many pages would you have to read every day, mathematicians, to finish a page of a, a book of a hundred pages? How how long would it? How many pages would we have to read every day to finish it in a week? Fourteen. Okay, so could you do fourteen pages? No, it's too much. How about if you do it in two weeks? That's still too much. Seven is way too much to ask on my schedule. How about three weeks? Eh, calculus. 
five? Still too much. That's a lot to ask. I'll finish my 100-page book in a month. Three? Three pages? Okay. Three pages is still pushing it a little bit. Okay, we have a question. Manjula Kanta, go ahead. When we read a book, we don't remember what we read. I'm just there for the numbers. So does that count? Yes. Everything's counted and recorded, and don't think you don't remember it. It's uncanny, actually, how much you remember. That, you know, I can remember TV commercials from the time when I was a kid. I can sing them for you right now. And a current author will go like, I know, I remember that one, <laughs> right? Uh, because uh, everything that goes in there stays in there. Don't think it's not going in. It is. And if you have to do it, paint by the numbers, paint by the numbers. This is a kind of vaiti bhakti. Don't get into this thing, oh, I can't remember anything, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, I know you're not saying that because you do everything, but just, you know, put it in there. On days when you don't feel like walking around the block, it's like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know. It didn't make any difference yesterday. That's uh, short-sighted. As humans, we're supposed to see the long game. We're supposed to look at, uh, we have a, a wider uh, perspective and see like what I do every day adds up. So just do the little things that you know are good for you. And if you do good things for you, as yourself spiritually, what you can handle every day, then you beat the system. Try to beat the system. The system is we get killed here in the, in the material world. And so we want to cheat death, right? Say yes. yes. So here's how to do it. It's in this verse. Cheat death and take in your spiritual nourishment every day at a dose that you can handle, that you can do every day. And then you start beating the system and everyone's going like, how are you doing this? How are you going to beat the system? And at the end of this lifetime, you know, when everyone comes around you and you're ready to go back to Godhead, it's like, how did you do it? Same way the millionaire next door got wealthy. Lived below his means. He put away 10%, at least, of his gross income every month and put it into a healthy investment, nice no-load mutual fund somewhere. And next thing you know, little, you know, Roger Good-for-Nothing, who everyone thought wouldn't amount to everything, he's wealthier than everybody else. And the same thing applies in spiritual life. Don't think that you can't become a spiritual millionaire and just like, ah, oh, I can't do it. Pure devotees do it. This is all myth mythology anyway that people become advanced because I can't do it, so they're probably faking too. Don't do that. Say, I'm going to make my investment every day and I'm going to become a spiritual millionaire by being very conservative with the way I talk and, and live, and I'm going to invest. So we have our chanting, right? Because we have counter beads and we pull them down at the right time. And then also we have our reading. So what could you read? You could read Bhagavad Gita? Are we allowed to do that? That's amazing. We have the direct words of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and we're allowed to read it. So how much could we read it? As much as we decide. You could decide that I'm going to read one page a day, and that's your thing. Become known as, as the person, like, I know that person. She reads one page of Bhagavad Gita every day, no matter what. Really? One page? How does she do it? She wrote it down. 
and that's part of her set. She's got her bhajan on. So now we've got a little reading, and then what else could you do every day as an investment? Ba Bhagavatam you can do? Bhagavatam, let, let's talk about investment here. Let's tell you what I'm going to do for you. <laughs> What's it going to take for us to get you into a, a Bhagavatam schedule here, Bob? So, <laughs> so all Bob has to do is figure out how many pages there are in the Bhagavatam and then decide and write down on his little chit that he keeps in his pocket that this is how I'm going to conquer death. I'm going to read uh, a set number of pages of Bhagavatam a day no matter what. And so how, how many pages does Bob have to read if he wants to finish the Bhagavatam in five years? Is it knowable? Is this knowable? Can we figure it out? If it's knowable, then could we possibly do it as humans? Okay, so how many pages is it? Yeah, we know that. It's eight pages, right? That, that's too much. Eight pages, that's a lot to ask. How about if we go for 10 years? Four pages a day? How about if you want to do uh, finish it in 50 years? That's the program we're on now. One verse a day. It gets you about 52 years. You can finish the Bhagavatam. That's okay. But you can always augment your bhajan. You can say, I'm going to add Bhagavatam in. Could you throw anything else in there? Invest in yourself? You could do Sri Upanishad. Can anybody stop you if you decided that's what you're going to do? No? Your boss probably could say, we don't allow that. Somebody in your family, one of your 52 cousins could call up and say, we object. You're spending too much time with all this Hare Krishna stuff, right? They could stop you. Right? Say no. No, Vaishishaka Das. They cannot stop you. So decide what you want to do and put it on your list and get your bhajan on. That's the main thing. If you have that, nobody can stop you. You can, you can cut through the labyrinth of the three modes of material nature. Everything's possible. And then that becomes your way to move forward in life and you hold on to it and become... Uh, a hero, actually. Most people languish in the material world. They almost do something. They almost rise to the occasion. They almost take the spiritual life, and then the clock runs out, and they go, "Ah, oh, darn it. Not again. And then you hear the song singing in the womb, Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago. And look, Lord Gurung is calling out to you. It's like, remember last lifetime? You said you were going to do it? And then, you know, the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups and all that. So actually do it this time. You know, make this lifetime the lifetime that you you say, I'm going to get my bhajan on. You don't even have to tell anybody. You can hide. You can get your bhajan, go in your back room, close the doors, put a little sign up. Nobody knows what you're doing in there, but you burst out later. And they're going, what do you, what do you got going on in there? And you got your bhajan going. And that's that's our savior. We have to do it ourselves. Nobody else can do it for us. Now we'll just take a few reflections or questions. Prabhu? I love it how Srila Prabhupada gave the example between money and time. 
people in the material world always say time and time is money and to them it it might be but it's just like you get unlimited amounts of money by giving charity to the right person you get unlimited amount of time back by investing in the right thing and thank you so much for driving home that point thank you for thank you for the reminder that's our most important asset isn't it uh maharaj about your point about doing things every day and um, making in increments on it i was uh, reminded about a story of a king from mysore um this person actually uh, this king he was able to uh, climb up a hill in mysore um, with a full grown uh, bull on his shoulders they say and uh, uh it seems the secret was that when he was a young boy a calf was born in the royal cowshed and he would play around with the calf he would take the small calf on his shoulders and walk around and he took it as a habit every day to climb up the hill with the calf and uh, as the calf grew his strength also grew to do it and one day he finds himself carrying a bull right and uh, so uh, this principle what you mentioned is also applied in the all the material aspects like there's a book called the atomic habits and uh, there he says that okay how 1% increment if you do every day uh, then in, in one year you would be 37 times better than where you were before and and of course 1% if you leave off something you will be uh, if you miss it even one day um if you are keeping on um, uh, decreasing your effort every day even by 1% you will be a very small fraction of what you started off with so if they can apply it for the material things so well how much more careful we should be while applying it for our spiritual growth that's what i was thinking yes yeah, thank you for extracting the essence of that ananta is this fanaticism give him the mic is this fanaticism is it something possible doable you're you know, you're a successful business person you have a plumbing business you know how to fix anything you know how to make advancement in life what do you think of this applied to spiritual principles oh uh, that's that's uh something i thought about this uh becoming dedicated to krishna consciousness it can be perceived as fanatical uh but i think that um it's a personal thing i think you don't really have to broadcast it i think it's it's because ultimately i mean we all have to save ourselves so if you're you know i mean i think it's i mean it's it's one of those things fanaticism is like um it's a good thing in christian consciousness because you know you're the uh, the whole point of of our existence is to become purify ourselves go back to godhead so um in my opinion you know you can be uh, uh, some sometimes devotees can be overbearing and but uh, i think that it, it's good to 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 um be fanatical with oneself or better yet um set um goals that can be achieved for for oneself and 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 not really pay too much attention to what others are doing like be inspired by those that are above you but at the same time um i think it's it's important to um 
to, to not be, um, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, judgmental. And, you know, because, yeah, <clears throat> I've, seen, I've seen people talk about, um, or I've seen people who are really dedicated, and I personally have actually perceived them as fanatics. But um, when I check myself, I actually realize that they're they're um they're on a path and they're doing something with their lives and stuff, and it's actually inspiring. How well put! Nice summary. I I think that's really you know the end point, except for what Kurnoffer was going to say, and I no okay. So I can say something, but uh, he just handed me the mic. But I was, what I want to say is that I remember Srila Prabhupada's class on this verse. And um, we should all listen to these. Prabhupada gave these wonderful classes. On, I was thinking of uh, earlier you were talking about how we all have to fly our own airplane. And I always remember Srila Prabhupada's voice. We are all airplanes flying in the sky. <laughs> and in this verse, he says, and you will be... Immortal, <laughs> you know, because the sun is not taking away your life. Yeah, and the Shastra says, "Labam sadulam abidam bhusam bhavante, anitim artanam anitya apihadira." Sorry, I blew that. Labam sadulam abidam bhusam bhavante, manusha artam anityam apihadira. That if you can take something that's temporary and parlay it into something that's eternal. That's the best investment anybody ever made. So the human life is temporary. Although temporary, you can use it to become eternal, just like you were mentioning. And uh, to your point, Ananta, for, for the close here, there is, there, are some, uh, there is some guidance given by Shastra and our Acharyas is to not... Uh, widely disclose one's bhajan. You know, don't go advertising it. Oh yeah, I'm doing 64 rounds now. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It tends to come back to a, a sense of ego. Just demonstrate it. Do it for Krishna. Keep it under wraps. One thing I've noticed, and I think I alluded to it earlier, if you're if you've got your bhajan on, people will notice it. Anyway, even if you try to hide it, because it cuts into the schedule of the material world, which is let's talk nonsense, let's do stupid stuff. That's the two basic parts of material life. And, and the bhajan cuts right through it and, and just like drives a wedge through it. And everyone's like, let's talk nonsense, let's do stupid stuff. And then it's like, how come you can't come? It's like, I got a, another thing I got to finish first. Haridas Thakur's principle. He's like, prostitute, hey. And he's like, yeah, later. I don't have time. I got my bhajan. I got my wedge. It's already in. And I can't, I can't be disturbed right now. So that's our protecting. We protect ourselves by dedicating ourselves to that bhajan and holding that and keeping that together. That's what we do. That's what devotee means. Devotee means devoto. It means one who keeps a vow. And that's the vow that saves us. It's what Krishna says, Raga dvesha vimuktaistu indriya vishayan indriyaishtaran atma vashherbate atma prasadamarigachati. If you want mercy to descend on you, take a vow for Krishna and hold it and get your bhajan on so that 
the stupid stuff and the talking nonsense uh, becomes um, pushed away by the power of your own bhajan. So we've heard from the Bhaktino Thakur, his bhajan about Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the attractive features of the personality of Godhead. We can keep in mind that there's nobody better than Lord Chaitanya. He's the full meaning for anyone's serious and spiritual life. So feel free to give your heart and soul and mind to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. If you don't know who he is, Kaviraj Goswami says, study it, figure it out, and then give your heart and soul. You got to give your heart and soul somewhere. If you don't give it to Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it's going to go to some, some, somebody else who's not worthy. And there also we heard from Bhagavatam about how the sun is announcing to us right now. It's like taking away your life unless you're hearing and chanting, talking as it goes over. So we can, we can, as humans, seize the moment, this one lifetime, not uh, one lifetime, but this lifetime will make it fully dedicated. What do you think? Okay. Dear Srila Prabhupada, Dear Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Shishi Panchatattva, Jagannath Baladev Subhadraji, if you so desire, please empower us to drive a wedge into the stupidity of the material world, which is a, keeping our bhajans a s strong every day to glorify you. And uh, please give us spiritual strength to do that every day. Thank you for considering our request. Om Tat Sat. Everyone agrees with this prayer in whole or in part. Count down from three and say, Go Ranga. Three, two, one. And now we have some important announcements. Shredder Devi Dasi is here, and she's going to tell us what we...